This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Good morning, everyone. Welcome today to our first Zoom sermon. Now, before we start, what you need is a Bible. Okay, so whether you have a small Bible or a big Bible, you need to have a Bible in front of you. And preferably, if you could also have a notebook with a pen to take the notes, that would be wonderful. So once you have that ready, you're ready. Uh, if you have that here, then we can go to pray to God. So let's go to God in prayer. Uh, dear Father, we truly want to thank you for the technology which allows us to come together, even though physically we are separate. But yet, as one community, as one fellowship, we can come together and encourage one another in Christ. We can hear from your word. And we just pray that today, as we look at your word, you really help us to understand it well. And we pray for all these things in Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, I'm going to show you a picture right now. And uh, I'm going to tell you what you are to do. Now, whatever you do, don't look at the pink elephant. You got that? Don't look at the pink elephant. Okay, you got that? Put a thumbs up on the reaction Omicron. Okay, so whatever you're ready, ready? Okay, let's go. Don't look at the pink elephant. All right. So did you look at the pink elephant? I hope you did it. Did you mishear me? Did you misunderstand me? I, I hope you didn't as well. Because uh, I think I told you very explicitly, don't look at the pink elephant. So let's ha have a little poll and to ask you whether you actually looked at the pink elephant. So did you look at the pink elephant? If you did, uh, click yes. If you didn't, then click no. Okay. Now, as we look at this uh, result, uh, it's very interesting. It's very sad that some of you might actually have looked at the pink elephant. But that doesn't matter. The reason is, why do we look at the pink elephant after I told you not to? I think it's because of human nature. It's human nature to look at bright objects, I suppose. It's human nature to look at bright pink elephants. And just in the same way as we have that human nature of looking because of human nature to do things that uh, come naturally. So for the disciples, as we've been looking at the book of Mark so far, they are human just like we are. And as a result, they often do things according to their human nature rather than to what Jesus tells them to do. So if you remember, uh, recently when we look back at Mark uh, chapter 11, sorry, Mark chapter 8, uh, we actually saw that Jesus had predicted what he would do. So Mark chapter 8 verse 31, it says, He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and after three days, rise again. Now, this is very significant, right? Because, as you can see, it's very, very clear uh, that Jesus said that he must suffer, he must be rejected, he must be killed, and on the third day, he would rise again. Now, uh, when the disciples heard this, uh, their human nature took over. Uh, just like our human nature took over when we looked the pink elephant. They didn't want to suffer. None of us likes to suffer. They didn't want to be rejected and they didn't want definitely to die. So as a result, what happened? Well, as a result, do you remember what happened? Uh, Peter, the chief of the disciples, took Jesus aside and he said to him, look, Jesus, you've got to get with the program, right? 
He said, you have to get with the program. He took him aside and rebuked him because Peter didn't want, together with the disciples, to suffer, to be rejected, and to die. Now, recently, I've been uh, reading a lot of accounts of people with COVID-19 or the coronavirus, and it sounds like a terrible disease. So you get a very high fever, you can't get comfortable in bed, you have trouble breathing. One person was saying that for every breath he took, he heard this crackling noise in his chest. Now, I'm sure that for all of us, uh, none of us would want to experience those symptoms. We don't want to suffer. We don't want to feel that sort of suffering. Uh, there was someone else I read in Italy. Uh, he went to bed. Uh, he was a paramedic. He was a very young man, I think in his 30s. And he went to sleep. Next day, he was dead. And, uh, you know, he left behind his wife. He left behind his family and his relatives. And again, we don't want to be that person. We want to avoid suffering. We want to avoid death. And that was exactly what happened to Peter. He also wanted to avoid suffering and avoid death. Now, if that's human nature, it responds to the person of Jesus, it responds to the plan of the Christ, then today we see another very human, natural response, a very human nature in terms of what Jesus is saying. So today, I want you to turn to me in your Bibles, and this is where, again, uh, that's why it's so important to have your Bibles in front of you. Okay, so what does the Bible say? Well, uh, Jesus said uh, in verse 30, uh, they left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him. And after three days, he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant, and were afraid to ask him about it. They came to Capernaum. When they was in the, he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way, they had argued about who was the greatest. Now here again, as we look at this passage, we see that Jesus does something which is very, very uh, instructive. He's telling them the second time, exactly what's going to happen. And yet, the, the disciples respond with the human natural response. So what exactly did Jesus tell them? Well, he told them exactly what he said in the very first time. In the very first time, what he had said, he had said, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed, and after three days rise again. And again here, the second time, he says, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. So as you can see, when you compare chapter 8, verse 31, and chapter 9, verse 30, Jesus tells them exactly the same thing. The plan of the Christ is the same. The plan of God is the same. But the human response as well is also the same. So in the very first time, uh, Peter and disciples they, they, they reflected their human nature by trying to avoid suffering, trying to avoid uh, death, trying to avoid rejection. And here, they show a very different part of human nature. What is the human nature? We, we run away from suffering. We run away from Or we run towards status. We run towards greatness. We run towards glory. And that's exactly what we see here. The disciples, as they listen to Jesus, do not understand what Jesus is saying. They argue among themselves about who is 
the greatest. So as we uh, look at the uh, passage today, uh, I want to again uh, do a poll. Okay, so let's do another poll, right? So the poll now is, do I want to be great? Okay, so uh, if uh, you look at this, the poll says, I want to be great. Uh, I want to be a VIP. I want people to serve me. Or I want to be last and I want to serve all. Okay, so start your poll now. Uh, which would you choose? Uh, obviously, I think that uh, for many of us, we would choose instead uh, to be great. We would choose instead to be the VIP. We would choose to be served rather than to serve other people and not definitely not all the people. But Jesus then makes very clear, just as he said before about the avoiding suffering, avoiding, that if you want to be his disciple, you want to be his follower, this, this is a non-negotiable, right? If you want to follow him, then definitely you cannot pursue greatness. That is not the path of discipleship. So what does Jesus say instead? Well, again, this is what Jesus said. Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. See, the disciples, what do they want to do? They want to pursue greatness. They will argue about greatness. But Jesus actually says the opposite. He says, to be the VIP, I suppose, in the kingdom of God, you must actually be the very last and the servant of all. Now, this is very shocking because how many of us actually would want to be the very last, and to be the servant of all. But that is the principle that Jesus is actually sharing here, right now. He's actually saying to them, look, you must serve, not pursue greatness, and you must even be willing to be last. So that's the principle. Then Jesus now gives us a parable. Okay, So he gives you the principle, service, not greatness. And now he gives you a parable. And the parable basically is about a child. He, he brings a child into the midst of the disciples. He takes the child in his arms and he says, look, you've got to be serving this child. So let's look at the passage. What does the passage actually say? Okay, again, let's go back to what the passage says. So he said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last, and the servant of all. Then he took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. Now, what he's basically saying here is that the child represents something. Right? The child represents something. So that's what parables do. The, the parables use an everyday uh, occasion and, and gives it a spiritual meaning. So what does the child represent? What, what does it mean uh, in terms of a spiritual representation of the child? Okay, so um, I play, I bought this game called Dixit, where basically you look at pictures and the picture shows you uh, the meaning of something. So let's look at this picture, okay? And, uh, and it represents a child. Okay, so imagine the child, don't worry about the, the fish tail, but what? What does this picture show about children in general? What does this picture show about a child? Okay, just look at this picture for a second. Okay, just take it all in. Okay, so what is it saying about children? What is it saying about a child? Okay, so I'm going to give you a little poll now. 
Okay, so what does it say about children? This little picture. Okay, uh, so does it tell us that the child is strong? Does it tell us that the child is powerful? Does it tell us that the child is weak? Or does it tell us that the child is influential? Or does it tell us that the child is powerless? Or does it tell us that the child is helpless? Or does it tell us that the child is great? Well, you can do the poll yourself. But as we look at this poll, what it really shows us is that instinctively we know that children are weak. Instinctively we know that children have no power. They're powerless. They're, they're vulnerable. And that's why they have to be carried by the man. The man is actually protecting the child because the child is helpless. And that's why in the world that we live in, uh, we don't get anything back when we serve children. Uh, it's not as if it's a rich man who's living in a mansion, he's driving a Porsche or something. And uh, if we serve that person, we expect something back. You know, we expect a favor, we expect status, we expect some sort of favor. If you serve a child, there is no return because they're weak, they're vulnerable, they're powerless, and they're helpless. But yet Jesus says that if you want to be a disciple of his, you need to serve all, even the little child. The little child actually is someone who is the least, but yet in our service, instead of pursuing greatness, we serve even the very least. Now, if you're sitting right now uh, in your small groups, if you're sitting around maybe at home by yourself, you can look at the screen, right? It's populated by all our church members, the regular attenders at church. Look around you. Who do you see? Do you see Jesus? No. Why? Where's Jesus? I don't see Jesus. Do you see God? Uh, well, you look around. No, I don't see God here. I just see a lot of these people from church, right? But you notice what Jesus says. Jesus says, that actually, when you welcome the little child, you welcome Jesus. And you don't just welcome Jesus. You welcome the Father who sends Jesus. So what Jesus is actually saying is, in the very least of his people, the little children, is a representation of himself, is a representative of himself, is a re representative of God. So as I serve and welcome the very least Christian, I'm actually serving and welcoming Jesus himself. I'm actually serving and welcoming God the Father himself. And that gives great value to the very least Christian. It just shows us how serious it is this business of service is. Because as we serve the very least and the very most helpless of Christians, the youngest of Christians, we are actually serving God and Jesus himself. And that's why for us as Christians, we have to ask ourselves, how good are we at serving and welcoming other Christians? You know, McDonald's, uh, when you go to McDonald's, uh, what is the first thing that they say when you come up to the counter? They say to you usually, good morning or good afternoon. How can I serve you? And after they serve you, they say, you know, have a nice day. So McDonald's has a reputation for good service. But actually, for us as Christians, Jesus says we should have a, a reputation for service. Why? Because as we serve even the youngest and the, 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 the most helpless Christian, we are serving not that person, but we're serving Jesus and God himself. Okay, so let's look at the, the principle here. So what is the principle? Well, the principle really is uh, that 
we must serve, we must be willing to be the very last and serve all. And the parable shows us that our service extends to the very lowliest of Christians or the little children, uh, the least powerful, because we are serving Jesus and God through that believer. Now, as we go through the passage again, again I want you to uh, look very carefully at the Bible, all right? Now, I want to ask you to look at the Bible very carefully, and I want you to see in the verses from verse 36 to 41, how many times the phrase, in my name, is used. Okay? How many times the phrase, in my name, is used? Is it one time? Is it two times? Is it three times? Is it four times? Or have you given up counting? Well, actually, uh, the answer is four times. Uh, now, what that shows us, uh, as one of the common citators said very uh, precisely, was that uh, the main themes really are reflected, can be seen by repeated phrases or repeated words. And that's why when repeated words are used, repeated phrases are used, we need to pay great attention because it's trying to get us to focus on what the main theme is. What the main theme is really saying is, as we are disciples of Jesus, we no longer come in our own name, but we come in Jesus' name. We no longer live for ourselves, but we live for Christ. And so in Christ's name, right, because we live for Christ, we're disciples of Christ, we're not to seek greatness, but we are to welcome and serve all, even the least Christian. So now let's look at the passage again. Okay, so let's turn back to the Bible. You need to have your Bible open. And we're going back to the Bible and see what the Bible says. So we're going to read now uh, from verse 38 to 41. A teacher said, John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for no one who does a miracle in my name can in the very next moment say anything bad about me, for whoever is not against us is for us. Truly I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name, because you belong to the Messiah, will certainly not lose their reward. Okay, so what's happening here? It seems as if uh, there was a guy who was successfully casting out demons in the name of Jesus. But the response of the 12 disciples was to discourage him and say, look, no, 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 you shouldn't be doing that. And why was that? Was it because he was unsuccessful? Was it because he was uh, not such a good exorcist? Uh, no, the only reason was because he was not part of the 12. He was outside of their closed circle. He was outside of their exclusive club. He was outside of their narrow-minded understanding of who belongs to the inner circle. And it's very sad when we read this because it reflects, again, the disciples' human nature. The desire of greatness is tied very much to closing off uh, the body of believers, to being exclusive, to being small-minded, and to say it's a closed club. But what does Jesus say in response to this? So let's go back again to the Bible. So he says, Truly I tell you in verse 41, Anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. Verse 42, if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better 
for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. Now, I want you to pay uh, uh, close attention to this. And I think it's really helpful now that we are actually on uh, this Zoom thing. Because if you look at this passage, you can actually see that this subtitle, Causing the Stumble, is actually not part of uh, the Bible. It's just what the editor has put in. Uh, because when you really look at it, you can see uh, that verse 41 here and verse 42 here are actually uh, connected, right? They actually form uh, one long flow of conversation that Jesus is saying. And he's actually saying the positive and the negative. And both of them have consequences. So the first one is, the positive is, uh, you must serve and welcome, even to the extent of bringing a humble gift like a cup of water. And if you do so, you will certainly not lose your reward. Verse 42 is the negative. If you don't serve and you don't bring a cup of water and you don't welcome, well, the negative is if you stumble someone, and that's a terrible thing, right? If you stumble someone, then what actually happens is better for you to have a large millstone hung around your neck and thrown into the sea. So can you see the positive and the negative that is happening here? So the positive is, if you want to be a disciple, welcome, encourage, support, even practically by giving a cup of water. But whatever you do, do not stumble the little ones who believe in Jesus because they are very, very serious consequences. Now, what exactly here is Jesus talking about here? Uh, if you think about uh, the illustration that he gives, he talks about this uh, millstone. Uh, now, a millstone is something like this very, very big stone that you can see uh, here. Okay? It's, a, it's a huge stone, isn't it? Uh, and basically, this big stone is actually used for grinding and milling uh, the grain, which is all here. Now, this stone must be really heavy, right? Uh, in the ancient world, they actually used uh, horses and uh, you know human beings to push the stone around because it's so heavy. Because you're meant to grind to grind uh, the the wheat and the grain into little tiny flour. So obviously, the the, the millstone has to be very heavy. Now imagine if this was put around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. Well, obviously you would sink to the bottom. So Jesus says in positive sense, if you welcome, encourage, and support the little ones, then you will receive your reward. If you stumble them, then better for you to tie this millstone and be thrown into the ocean. Now I always thought, that what it meant was, if you stumble uh, the little ones in Christ, then this is what's going to happen to you. Like, you have this millstone tied around you and you throw yourself into the ocean. But that's not what it really says, right? So come back with me again to the Bible passage because it's so important to get this right. See, what exactly does Jesus say? He actually says, it is better. It is better, right? For them, if a large millstone, that, that means actually uh, this 
better for thing to happen to you is actually a sign that something worse is coming, right? It, it is better for you to, to, to throw this millstone around your neck and throw yourself into water because something worse is coming your way. Now, if you think about it, what that, what that really means is what can be worse than having a millstone tied around your neck and thrown into the ocean? Well, that's where verse 42 onwards comes in. So again, look at the Bible closely with me, right? Verse 43 says, If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands go into hell where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into hell where the worms do that eat them do not die and the fires are quenched. quenched. Can you see this idea of better than, better than, better than? So what's happening here is actually saying, look, better for you to tie a millstone around your neck and throw yourself into the ocean than to stumble a little one. Why is it better to throw yourself off and drown this millstone than to stumble? Because if you stumble a little one, then going to hell is your destination and going to hell is much, much, much worse than uh, getting drowned with a, a millstone. So once again, if you look at this picture, you will see what I mean. Okay? So again, this is the alternative, right? This is the alternative. It is better for you to have a millstone around your neck than to go to hell. So don't stumble the little ones. Don't stumble them because hell is the ultimate punishment. Now, I remember uh, when uh, I heard about uh, this preacher called John Chapman. Uh, he's a really wonderful evangelist. He's since died in Australia. And apparently when he was preaching one day, he spoke about this topic of hell. And this man was very angry. He came, John Chapman, and he scolded him. He said, well, why do you speak about hell and scare people? And John Chapman said, don't blame me. If you have a problem with hell and judgment, go and speak to Jesus. Because actually in the Bible, Jesus is the is the one who speaks most about hell and judgment. And Jesus is not talking about it for fun. He's like a doctor warning you of an imminent heart attack. Or he's like a policeman warning you about the dangers of drink driving. Or he's like the sign you see at the ocean saying, do not swim, dangerous current. And as he speaks to the disciples, he's saying, look, stumbling a little one in Christ is super duper serious because if you stumble a little one across, then you're like, oh, okay, it's like, this is my paper, it's like wounding, right, the, the spiritual walk of a young Christian. And by doing so, uh, you will actually potentially send them to hell. And that's what it really is. If you stumble a young Christian in Christ and they go to hell, then in a sense, you are condemning yourself to hell itself. Uh, so what is this idea of stumbling? You see, the idea of stumbling really is uh, the idea of physically hurting someone, right? Uh, so if you see here, this idea of physically hurting someone, 
Okay, but in the spiritual sense, uh, that's what we do when we stumble another Christian. We we cause them physical damage. We cause them physical damage, and we must not cause them physical damage uh, because they belong to Christ. They represent Christ. They represent God. And as we hurt them, we're actually hurting Jesus and God Himself. So I'm going to do another poll of you. So let's uh, look at this poll together. And the poll is, okay, do you welcome or stumble? So do you welcome the little ones in Christ? Or do you stumble the little ones in Christ? Do, you, do I serve little ones in Christ? Or am I rude to other Christians? Am I loving to other Christians? Am I unwelcoming to other Christians? Well, that's very, very serious, right? If you've answered yes to any of those things. Because if you do not welcome, and you're rude and unloving and welcoming, then actually, it might be better for you to put this millstone and, and throw yourself in the ocean because hell is your destination. Now, Jesus keeps going on in the passage. So let's turn again to the passage. In the passage, he goes on to say, uh, again, in verse 43, right? If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands going to hell. Where the fire never goes out and your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God of one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell. Where the worms that eat them do not die, the fire is not quenched. Now, as we look at this passage, I think that Jesus goes beyond uh, talking about stumbling other people or like my letter openers, mortally wounding right, other people's uh, spiritual faith. But here, if you look carefully at your Bibles, it actually says if your right hand causes you to stumble, it's like you're stumbling and you're wounding your own self. You're cutting yourself, your spiritual life, your, 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 your faith. In Jesus, your hand or your foot or your ears are actually wounding you and, and causing you mortal damage so that you maybe stumble and actually go to hell because of the act of the hand or the ear or the feet. So I remember uh, many years ago, I watched this movie uh, called uh, 127 Hours. Okay? So some of you may have actually uh, seen this in the past. Okay? It's quite an interesting movie. It's about this guy, and he, he's a real gung-ho guy, and he goes hiking by himself. But suddenly, uh, something bad happens to him. Okay, so this is what happens to him. So you should be able to see this video. So, as you can see, he's in a bit of a fix here. Uh, he uh, gets his hands stuck. Okay, so he spends uh, the next few days trying to look for help, uh, but there's no one. He's screaming, he's shouting. So, what would you do in that instance? I mean, your hand is stuck, you're in the middle of nowhere, and what's the solution? 
Uh, what his solution was, in the end, he chose to cut off his hand uh, and he saved his life because his, he cut off his hand. And this is a true story, apparently. And that makes sense, right? Because what is your hand compared to eternal life? Oh, sorry, no, not eternal life. What is your hand uh, compared to physical life? Well, obviously, your hand is not worth your physical body and your physical life, right? Because you can live without your hand. And uh, you can live many, many more decades or years. And so the man, he chose to cut off his hand in order to live. But Jesus here raises the stakes even higher, right? Because is your hand uh, worth eternal life? We're not just talking about decades. We're talking about eternity. And that's the equation that Jesus says. You know, if your right eye or your left eye or your ear or your feet or your hands is stumbling you and causing you to damage your own faith, then is it worth going to hell with your hand intact, your eyes intact, your ears intact, and your feet intact, but spend eternity in the fires of hell? And obviously the answer must be no. So he says, no, cut off your hand, pluck out your eye, you know, deafen yourself. Now, obviously Jesus is not saying that we should physically pluck our eyes or cut off our hands or our feet. But what he's saying is, drastic, drastic action needs to be taken to cut off the offending member so that you will not risk going to hell. Now, I think this is very relevant for us today, right? So again, if you look at this poll that I've developed for you, uh, what would you be willing to cut off in order to not go to hell? So for your eyes, would you cut off what you see on the internet, on your computer, on the phone? For your ears, maybe would you cut off what I hear in terms of gossip and slander? And for my feet, would I cut off contact from those I would go to who would cause me to go away from Jesus Christ? Because Jesus says here that drastic action is what is required in order for us to avoid the dangers of hell. And just as that man in 127 hours cut off his hand so that he would have physical life, so we need to cut off members of our bodies, uh, metaphorically speaking, so that we will not go to hell, but instead, we would instead go to the eternal life in the kingdom of God. So in conclusion, uh, the passage today talks about the seriousness of following Jesus as a disciple. But we are not to pursue greatness, but we are to serve. And how are we to serve? We are to serve all, even the very smallest and the least of Christians. We are not to stumble other Christians. We are not to uh, stab their faith and to destroy their faith. But in a wider sense, we are not to allow our own members of the body to stab ourselves or to stumble ourselves. And there are parts of our body which bring us into danger in following Jesus. Then Jesus says, take drastic action and cut it off. So I want to show you another video uh, because it reflects the mood of the passage. Okay, so let's look at the passage again. Okay, so uh, this came out last week. Okay, Good evening. The coronavirus is the biggest threat this country has faced for decades, and this country is not alone. All over the world, we're seeing the devastating impact of this invisible killer. And so tonight, I want to update you on the latest steps we're taking to fight the disease and what you can do to help. 
And I want to begin by reminding you why the UK has been taking the approach that we have. Without a huge national effort to halt the growth of this virus, there will come a moment when no health service in the world could possibly cope because there won't be enough ventilators, enough intensive care beds, enough doctors and nurses. Uh so as we've seen uh, what Boris Johnson was talking about, the situation in the United Kingdom about the coronavirus, what is the mood of his presentation? What is the mood of his message? It is very somber, uh, very solemn, uh, very serious. And so in the same way as we hear the words of Jesus today, uh, that is the mood that Jesus takes it, to a certain degree. It's a very solemn, a very somber, a very serious tone. Because we're dealing with very serious issues here, just as Boris Johnson is dealing with the coronavirus, and that's no joking matter. So when you talk about eternal life and hell, the fires of hell, that's no joking matter as well. So what really, really matters as a disciple of Jesus? It means that we truly must be serious about welcoming other Christians, about serving other Christians, and not stumbling other Christians. And my hope is that as all of us come together, either physically or through uh, the internet, in everything we do, we will welcome, we will serve, and we will not stumble one another. All right, thank you. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.